You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TML Podcast. I am Jace Eustace, joined, as always, by Jarrett Huff. Jarrett, it kind of snuck up on us. We're here Friday morning, I believe Friday, February 3rd. We are less than a week away from the NBA trade trade deadline. It seemed like last year we were talking about it. It seemed like months in advance with all the smoke going around the NBA. This season, it has snuck up on us. So how are you feeling with an exciting time of the NBA season coming up? Well, it's kind of weird that we're not having any conversation on Ben Simmons or James Harden where they're going <laughs> no at this doubt. moment. So no it doubt. snuck up on me as well. I wasn't aware because there's really no huge storylines to talk yeah. about or disgruntled stars, um, at least that we know of right now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, not, things, it's, it's unexpected. Things move quick in the NBA, though, now. So we know that, you know, just about a week to go, sometimes trade rumors get out there and, and some stars might not be happy to hear their names and then – you never know what could happen in the NBA. It is never any drama. It's the way that it mm-hmm. works. But as we sit right now, the trade deadline is Thursday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Central. So it's coming up there midday next Thursday. So we thought we just kind of center this podcast episode around the trade deadline and some things that we would like to see see happen, some things that we think might happen. And, of course, towards the end of the podcast, we'll get into some of the all-star reserves because everybody's got an opinion on that. And, of course, everybody feels like their favorite player got snubbed. But we'll get into that a little bit as we get into it. But first off, I wanted to start with some teams that we feel like will and need to be making a move here and Jared, I know we just kind of ran through some of these, but what teams out there that you're just kind of sitting there looking at the middle of the pack, Eastern Western Conference that you feel like needs to make a move here in this next week? All right. Well, the first team in the East, I'll start out there uh, in the East that needs to make a move is the Toronto Raptors. Um, I've never been a big believer in this team because the way I see it, it's a ship without a captain, um, which is a way to put isn't, it. Yeah necessarily true in the sort like i'm sure they have leaders on the team but they don't have a star since Kawhi leonard left and i've always felt that about the franchise sure fred van fleet nice player pascal siakam developing to really nice player but i don't see pascal siakam ever being a true number one scotty barnes looks like he really hasn't taken a step forward this year um there's just not a lot to like about this core long term beyond individual pieces on this team that could be foundations for whatever comes next in toronto basketball it's just not Toronto's time right now. I think that's a team that needs to make a move. Um, the second team in these, I think, that needs to make a move is your Miami Heat. Um, I agree. I, I think they need to make a move to contend. Um, I don't think they should be blowing anything up because they have Jimmy Butler, who is, in my opinion, one of the best players in the NBA, and his window is closing. He's 33, going on 34, and – who knows how long he's going to hold up, how long he's going to want to play. I mean, he's talked about retiring at 35 in the past, whether that remains true or not, not sure, because he said years ago in an article uh, when he was still on the bulls that uh, the ugliest clothing item you could ever wear is a heat Jersey. Um, (laughs) I guess that's changed. So who knows? Maybe Butler will play to 40 based on that. We don't know, but all I do know from what I feel is the heat's windows closing. I don't mean necessarily they're going to have to blow it up soon, whether they win or lose, but you, it's definitely going to come a time where they're probably going to need to retool around Hero and Bam and make those two the focus for the future and move on from Butler and Cal Lowry, which the team might already be at that phase if they yeah. can even swing a trade with his contract. Yeah, I, I feel you 100% with Miami. And it's not necessarily bringing in a big name because I don't think there's a lot of big names out there that are going mm-hmm. that are that are going to be moving around I think it's more of just kind of refreshing things with Miami you know if you can move off of Kyle Lowry I love Kyle Kyle Lowry as a leader on the court his play is just not what it used to be and obviously he's still a pretty expensive point guard which at this point in his career he's more of a backup point guard that's what he should be serving in that role in Miami you know they've had bright spots out of Gabe Vincent but he hasn't he hasn't really taken that step forward you like him in that that backup point guard role kind of leading that second unit he's great in that role but 
they kind of have two backup point guards from that position. So I think they'll be looking around trying to make the move. And I think it's just a refresh with Miami. I think this last month for them, they've really stepped up play. And we, we see that with Miami. Sometimes they start off really slow. Eric Spolster really gets the defense. They they, they kind of just buckle down on the defensive end. That leads to offensive possessions on the other side. Obviously, Tyler Hero, he's a streaky shooter. He gets hot. He gets cold. Jimmy Butler's pretty consistent. I think he's averaging more points per game this season than he ever has in his career. He's about like 22 points three or something like that so Jimmy you never really expect him I mean come playoff time he's dropping 40s that's just the way Jimmy is he's a baller but in the regular season you know if you're getting 22 to 25 points a night from Jimmy Butler you'll take that any day and bam he has stepped up in a big way and it's been really nice to see over this last month I agree with you there Toronto though I went the other way with him and I think we'll see as we kind of go through into some of them. But I did not agree with you in Toronto. I feel like it might be time for to just hit that eject button and just try to see what you can possibly get. Just because Toronto is such in such a position where they just do not attract free agents because no one wants to go play in Canada. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, yeah. blow it up for Toronto. Like, maybe see what you got with Scotty Barnes, um, but consider just moving everybody. A team's going to want to take Siakam. Yeah. Someone's de- like, there's already teams talking about like lining up for Fred Van Fleet when he yeah. becomes a free even, agent. Even uh, Gary Trent too. Gary Trent yeah. Jr. is a great, great scorer too. And OG then, Ananobi would yep. be another great piece. I mean, they've set a high price for OG though. They're, they're real big fans of OG, which he's, he's a great young player and he's on a good contract as well, but I can't blame them. He's a really good player. Absolutely. And then over in the Western Conference, some of the teams that I put down as well, the Lakers, I feel like we've heard about them. I feel like they need to make a move, but with that front office, I never know if they're going to make a move. I do like the Hachimura move. That that helps them a little bit, frees up some, kind of gives them some more length in that wing position. He's been playing pretty well, but it's just, you know, it's it's he's a nice player, but he's he's not a star. And, you know, the roster still needs a little bit more. And then I'm looking at what might surprise you. I think the Kings, the Kings sitting in that three spot, I think they go and they make a move. And it's been so long since we've seen the King. I don't think in our NBA fandom, we might have never seen the Kings as a buyer. They're out there. I think they're they're looking around. They're trying to make some moves. They like what they got going on. They're solidly holding on to that three spot in the Western Conference. At this point, I mean, they're not 100% locked. They look like a lock to make the playoffs easily the way that they've been playing. De'Aaron Fox has been great. Demona Sabonis is getting that all-star nod. So I'm looking at the Lakers, the Kings, and also the Warriors. I think the Warriors play over this last couple weeks. I think they're going to make kind of an under-the-radar move. It's not going to be a major move to go out there and get a star. I do think they need depth at that center position, though, and they'll go They'll go out there and they'll find they'll do what they do. They're a very smart team in that front office. They're going to find one of those under-the-radar guys, go out and get a center that's going to come in and and look like an all-star at times for them. So that's who I have over in the Western Conference. Um, I I do like your Kings take. I thought about putting them for my West teams, but um, I decided not to because I just I kind of want to focus on a couple other teams that I think need to make moves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Kings is a good choice. Like you said, I don't think we've ever seen them as buyers at the deadline ever. They're usually selling, whether it's Demarcus Cousins or some other asset. Yeah. Um. And so this could be an exciting time for Kings fans. We may see something that a lot of people that were born within the the late 90s through the 2000s range haven't seen from this franchise. Um, As for the Lakers, I do like the uh, Hachimura move. However, I don't know if it's a good idea to make a move for them because (laughs) we don't know if this roster can even contend for a title. I'm not confident in it. And the only real assets they have to trade are Anthony Davis, which would just be shooting their chances for contending in the foot. What's the point at that point? Or trade future first-round picks yep. and then leave the Laker franchise decimated for whenever LeBron ends up leaving the franchise or retiring or whatever happens, which do Laker fans really want to go through that late and post-Kobe stretch again so soon? I'm not too confident in that. I think the picks, the future picks are valuable because otherwise I see the Lakers just being left high and dry at some point in the near future. See, I am so down on the Lakers front office that the the first kind of comeback that came to my head for that is do you trust the Laker front office to make good use of those first round picks picks not at all that's kind of the thing that I'm looking at. It's like, well, it's a lose lose situation for the Lakers. that front office. I, I trust the I trust them using the picks more than making a trade to appease LeBron James and try to contend because 
clearly all the moves they've made to contend um, in the last couple of years have not worked out. Their biggest mistake was breaking up that 2020 championship team. No, I I, I agree with that 100%. I feel like Rob Polinka just kind of almost panicked and hit a button where he they won that championship. People can say Mickey Mouse championship. People can say bubble championship. It's a banner. It's a banner. It's a banner. Hanging. Everyone was playing in the same playing ground. And what so many people like to go at the LeBron and Anthony Davis pairing and say it's been a failure, but we, you know, we forget that Kyrie and KD, LeBron and AD, and Kawhi and Paul George all teamed up in that same offseason, and AD and LeBron are the only ones that have a championship to show for it. Very fair. And they're the ones that we talk about are being the biggest failure when I think it's time – you know, if you want to say it hasn't lived up to your expectations, that's fine. I don't know what your expectations are, but you're looking around the rest of the league. Playoffs. They won a championship. No, I get they they missed the playoff last year. But, you know, in the season following winning the championship, they were, what, the two or three seed before Anthony Davis got hurt and went into free fall. And they, they've been hurt, but when they've been on the court together, they've looked like a good basketball team. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but – um, I think it was it was on one of the sports shows that, that I watched yesterday where they looked at the rating of the Lakers with LeBron on the court this season. And they have basically the same offensive rating as the Milwaukee Bucks. Off the court, they have the same rating as the Charlotte Hornets. So it's literally like when he's on the court, they've been on par with one of some of the best teams in the NBA, him off the court. They've been bad. So I do think that there are opportunities for them to go and make a move. And as we get into our next segment, I, I'm kind of excited about this one because I went through, I, I'm an NBA nerd, as I know you are as well. I went through some trade machine work and just trying to see if I can improve some of these teams. And I came up with a few for some of the teams that we just talked about here in this first segment that I'll start to go through. And this first one I got is one that I don't think you're going to be a fan of at all. Um, and that is the Lakers making a trade with your Chicago Bulls. And I know, I know you don't want to see it happen, but let's just, just see what I got. So this one works as far as the money matching up and everything like that. All these work. Uh, with the trade machines, and sometimes I have to add an extra player just to make the the money work up. So Lakers in this trade getting Goran Dragic and Zach Levine, I know, and the Bulls get the expiring contract of Russell Westbrook, a 2023 second round and the 2026 first round pick. You're giving us one pick for our two-time All-Star and Two Goran Dragic? Two picks. I don't count a second round pick. Bulls are probably going to get rid of it anyway. <laughs> I don't count a second round pick. 2K doesn't even like yeah. the second round pick. Every time you get a second round pick in 2K in the auto draft, it automatically yeah. says don't sign that player. Every time. Yeah. I don't no, count I get second it. round picks. I get it. Goran Dragic is added in there just to make the money work. Uh, just to make everything work. I'm insulted. You're insulted. I am I, insulted. But the expiring... That... Think about the cap space the Bulls would have. Like, Do, do you actually think moving forward... Demar, or, or do you want to switch Zach? Would you rather keep Zach and get rid of Demar? Do you like? Do you think those two are are for the long term together in Chicago? I. It's more likely than not that it's not going to be the long term answer, mm -hmm. uh, especially given Demar's age. Yes, but regardless, Zach Levine's an asset, and given how teams are willing to pay for assets, we saw what Rudy Gobert went for this summer. I'd much rather hold on to Levine and. If we do intend to trade him, hope for a package half that size in the offseason. In any dumb trade Lakers fans can come up with. I'm yeah. not I'm not saying you because no, I was no, gonna, I know what you mean. I was gonna save something for my team up, but it's good, it's good to talk about it now. So yeah. um it's kind of similar to your trade. Something came up, except this is worse. Like this is like I think somebody just hates the Bulls. Um <laughs> So this came out a couple of days ago, and it's kind of mm -hmm. along the same. I wrote an article about this a couple months ago, except originally I think it included Demar, but uh, it's Instead Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Max Christie, a 2027 unprotected first, mm -hmm. and a 2029 unprotected first. The Lakers' only future assets, by the way, yeah. for Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball. And Javante Mur or I'm sorry, Javante Green. Green, yeah. Javante Green's a hell of a role player. He's been hurt uh, the past couple of weeks, but hell of a role player. Love that guy. We mm -hmm. hate to see him go. Lonzo Ball. We don't know what his situation is going to be, but at the very least, if I'm giving up Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball to get two first round picks that who knows where they're going to be, 
Yeah. And Russell Westbrook, yeah, like those picks are for sixth grade children right now. Yeah. Like 2029, that's six years from now. That kid's in middle school. Oh, yeah. Um, And then Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, who they're just not going to bring anything to our roster. We'd no. probably, we'd probably like buy out Westbrook and pay him to go away. And you'd then probably give up. buy out Be- Beverly's. Well, you'd probably send Beverly home. And yeah, we, we might send Beverly packing too. That's a lot to buy out for Russell Westbrook, though. I mean, these in not to mention he's on the last year of his contract. So you could just keep him on the team and just don't, you know, John Wallum with, with Houston. You know? Or yeah, that too. But it's like we're giving up an all star, a two time all star that's still at an all star caliber level. Yeah. Lonzo Ball, who could come back and be a great player again. And then Javante Green. It's like, who are who are making these Laker fans? Of course yeah. it's gonna help. It's a great trade for the Lakers. It's awful for the Bulls. If the Bulls are gonna trade uh, to, which I don't think, and this is a controversial opinion even among Bulls fans, I don't think mm-hmm. the Bulls should really do anything at the deadline right now. Maybe consider trading Vooch because he's going to be a free agent soon. But we don't own our own pick unless we drop to the bottom three, which I still don't see happening because there's so many bad teams in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, And just get it, the odds of landing a top four pick these days are crazy like we see teams get knocked out of the top four when they have the best odds all the time now um the bulls shouldn't really do much at the deadline um i don't think they're in a place to contend this year especially if Lonzo ball doesn't come back which it's seeming more and more by the day that he's just not going to be back this season he's becoming the biggest injury question mark he's taking that title from Kawhi. like we just don't know anything about Lonzo. so Kawhi's looked great lately yeah he's looked really good and that helps clippers immensely um, I mean, he dropped 33 points on us in a win yeah. over the Bulls. So. He's look good. Yeah. So if Lonzo's not coming back, there's no point in trying to make a move to contend or get better. If you're going to keep the core together, keep the core together. Do not sell for low-value stuff like what the Lakers yeah. can offer. There are teams that are willing to have Levine that could offer so much more. And I say, if that's the case, let those teams come to the table Otherwise, don't do anything and don't take the first offer, especially if Russell Westbrook's name's attached to it. Yeah. No, I get you. This is the I name this trade for me Lakers wet dream. I, I don't think it's a oh, possibility. It I don't think it's a possibility. I do think things work. To... I think yeah. for the, something like this, you'd have to be banking on how bad is it actually behind the scenes with Levine and the Chicago Bulls front office. Like, is is it because we've heard you know little whispers, little rumors? Is he upset? Does he want out? Obviously, we haven't seen any sort of official requesting a trade or anything like that. I don't believe crazy. he's that upset. It, it all comes down to stuff like that, and then it also comes down to how much does the Bulls front office value cap space because. What Russell, why Russell Westbrook wasn't so valuable last season, and he basically was untradeable last season, is it kind of the same reason why it makes him more valuable this trade deadline is because he's going to become open cap space. It's a way to get, I think he's worth, or he's going to be, what is it, 47 million, or it's something crazy, which will be coming completely off the books after this season. So for teams, that is valuable because it's a way to get out of contracts that you don't see as part of your future paying Russell Westbrook now to basically just do nothing for the second half of the season. And then you have all that cap space. You can go out and sign the big free agents that you're looking to sign. So it wasn't valuable last off season because he had that extra year that it was this year that we're sitting in right now. So I do think Russell Westbrook, his contract is a lot more tradable this time around than it was well, last sure. time around a hundred percent. But yeah. the, uh, the second trade I put together for the Lakers in this one, this one you're probably not going to like either. This one is is taking away – it's going to Toronto, and it's trying to take as much as you possibly can from Toronto. In this one, the Raptors are going to get that Russell Westbrook. They're also going to get Max Christie. They are going to get the 27 and the 29 first-rounders, so the, the two most valuable draft picks that they oh, do have. give us both? No, no, because the Lakers in this trade would be getting Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr., and DJ Wilson, which DJ Wilson's just thrown in just to make the numbers match as well. So in this one, you're going out, you're getting a starting point guard, you're getting a starting shooting guard, and you're getting a decent, uh, pretty young wing player in DJ Wilson. So going out there, giving up what is seen as your two most valuable draft picks, that $47 million in cap space with Russell Wilson and Max Christie, who he's a rookie. He, he's on a rookie contract, and he's showing a little bit of flashes, you know, of being a solid role player in the league. So that's what I look at as my second trade there for the Lakers. 
I think Fred Van Vliet's more valuable than that, especially combined with Gary. Two first. It's tough to say. Yeah. I mean, the value of players is so thrown off nowadays because it's kind of like when sports franchises sell, like when the Clippers sold for two billion, and you're like, are the Clippers themselves really worth two billion dollars? But regardless, when that was one time the worst franchise in pro sports, you could argue, um, it raises the value of every other team. Because, well, if I'm selling the Chicago Bulls and the Clippers went for $2 billion, I could probably get $8 billion for the Bulls. I mean, yep. maybe I, I don't really know the math on that. It's going up exponentially. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's never going to stop. 100%. So when Rudy Gobert's going for the haul that he went for, and we've seen other players go for massive hauls and stuff like that, it really brings into question what players are going for. Because should Fred Van Fleet go for two first-round picks normally? I don't think so. Fred Van Fleet is so sought after by several teams. Like we've already yeah. heard teams talking about wanting to get him in free agency. Mm-hmm. That that's going to raise his value because a the Raptors know there's going to be competition to resign him. Um. So by trading his rights, obviously the team that's trading for him is hoping to then acquire him. I'd imagine for a long term deal. Absolutely. Um. So I even though it's going to be an expiring deal. I think that there's still a lot of value in that contract because you retain his rights, his bird rights. Um, yeah, actually, according to the uh, the trade machine I'm on, he's got 21 million two years left on his deal, so he's got oh, so one good. more year after this one. Oh, well, still coming up. It's coming up. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, and then Gary Trent Jr. is a pretty good, great role player. Would be awesome Absolutely. for that Lakers bench. I Absolutely. just that's. Like with the Lakers assets, I just I don't think they have enough because regardless whether it's expiring or not, no one's gonna want to pay Westbrook forty seven million. Um, nor just have him sitting around. I someone I, will I don't, someone will. I don't think it's honestly, gonna be out there. I don't think Westbrook's leaving. I you think don't think at, so? I think he's playing his contract down long. <clears throat> we'll see. I think he's gone. I think he's gone. We saw a report today, and that will lead me right into my next uh trade. And that is another trade for the Lakers that I put together. The final trade for the Lakers, I will say, that I put together. But in this one is kind of the, I don't want to say plan B, but it's kind of the, if you go big game hunting for Zach Levine or anything like that, doesn't work out. You go for Fred Van Fleet, doesn't work out. This is kind of a trade that I could see a lot of more realistically. And that is going to Utah and making a trade with Utah, which actually we just saw reports of Utah and the Lakers being in conversation in a deal involving Russell Westbrook. So in this trade, I see the Lakers getting Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, and Malik Beasley for Russell Westbrook. I put the 2024 second round and a 2026 first round. So I put a second and a first in that one. Depending on how desperate the Lakers are, if they want to make this move, I don't see Conley, Clarkson, and Beasley as a package that is worth both of those first-round picks which is why I made it a second and a first to get those. So it's it's one that you never know. If the Lakers decide, hey, you know, we, we're tired of the pushback, we got to make a move, I just don't know if those if two first-round picks and your kind of star player getting back is Jordan Clarkson, who you gave up, you know, many years ago, is is going to be enough to get the Lakers fans excited. So that that's the, that's the other Laker trade I put together. I always love when stuff comes full circle with the Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> where they had all these young assets. And we see this post all the time where you're like, oh, this was like the craziest like young core ever um, with like Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, et cetera. Yeah, Jordan um, Clarkson. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma. I mean, we could just go back <clears throat> and forth Russell. for a while. Yep. See, <laughs> we could go back and forth for a while. Not that all those players you'd want on your team now. Well, and a lot of them. So a lot of so some people like to. They don't even look back, and they're like LeBron sent them all away, and it's like, well, no, you know, Clarkson was gone, Julius Randle was gone. Like Julius Randle wasn't there at the same time as LeBron, and Julius yeah. Randle looks like the best of those former players right now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd take Brandon Ingram. Or yeah, I'd Brandon Ingram. Yeah, yeah, hundred like percent. He that. had to go in the AD trade. to get AD. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, Lonzo Ball though. That well, I, he was AD trade too. No, Kuzma, they should have kept. No, I agree. 100% they should have kept Kuzma. But I I just find it hilarious that the Lakers are like, Clarkson, we want you back. Even though they probably probably could have kept Clarkson. Clarkson probably would have been a really great player to have during the LeBron era. Why not? Another scorer off the bench. Shooter. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, A better version of J.R. Smith, I would argue. Mm -hmm. Um, Less streaky. 
Um, probably won't hold on to the ball during a tie game in the finals. Um, <laughs> and Clarkson can actually in spots play the point guard role too. Like he, he's more of a traditional shooting guard, but we've seen him with Utah. He can fill in in that point guard role and actually distribute the ball around. Um, but with this trade, I still see, and especially considering the man on the other end of the phone, the other man's Danny Ainge. That's and we very know true. With the Celtics, Danny Ainge commands a lot. Yeah, I mean he 100%. got a haul for um, oh my, for Donovan Mitchell. I blanked yeah. on his name for a sec, and he got a haul for Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. If he's going to give up role players, especially because think he's a Celtics man through and through. He may be working for the Jazz or maybe a Jazz logo on the shirt <laughs> he's wearing, but that man's a Celtic. You think he's going to help the Lakers out? Because in my mind, it's I think that this is a very good deal for the Lakers. A very good. Yes, this helps the tank for one, but in Giannis sweepstakes, mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet Danny Ainge is going to have a lot of callers at the trade deadline because they know the Jazz are going to want to fall down the standings. And well, and if he wants Wembenyama, he Yama, he might have the trade assets to just push all of his chips into the table to go get it anyways. You know exactly. what I mean? Like he might have he. They might be the only team that if they end up with the fourth pick in the draft or something like that. They might be the only team that could put together a package that could pry away Wembenyama Yama from the Spurs or whoever would Ooh. end up with that number one pick. Maybe well, not the maybe Spurs. Maybe possible. But... I can't, especially the Spurs, because we know how they like French players. Absolutely. Um, I can't see. Uh, I can't see really any team wanting to trade the idea of Victor Wembenyama. It's true, but if anybody was going to put together that Godfather offer, it would be Danny Ainge, just with the tra- draft oh, yeah. pa- draft picks that they have there in Utah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the reaction David Griffin had when they landed uh, the first pick uh, for Zion. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine what that room's going to look like when whatever team gets announced that That's they true. got get the first this year. Um, and I swear to God, if it's the Orlando Magic, I'm going to be upset. Oh, no. Um, or Houston. I don't want to see him in Houston either. No, it's not that I don't want to see him in Orlando. It's that if it uses our pick. <laughs> oh, I got you. More of the principle of it. I get you. I yeah. Get you. Oh my god. That was, um, that was. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I, I think I think this is a very Laker friendly trade. Yeah. Which would be great trade for the Lakers, as all these are. Uh, um, no doubt. Absolutely. But it's, trying to it's, improve. I just to me it's not realistic for the Lakers to expect any of these yeah. trades to go through. I'm convinced we don't see another Laker move to, move at the deadline. I'm willing to bet. Yeah, I, I respect that. And I and I respect obviously saying that, that a lot of these are impossible. And I will say with the Lakers, if I'm trying to make a trade and I'm trying to put something in there, they have to get a little bit more unrealistic just because the situation that they're in. Um, but I yes, put together some other trades. Yeah, I put put together some other trades I think are a lot more realistic for these teams. And that's one of them I got for my Miami Heat. And in this one, I have them going and getting Fred Van Fleet for that point guard position from the Raptors, giving up Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovic, and their 2023 first-round pick in that trade. Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovic, and their 2023 first? And their third, their first. Um, So you get a first, you get technically their first from this last year, Nikola Jovic, and you get a shooter in Duncan Robinson, who I will say is on a bad contract, but you do get a shooter. This one I could see. Personally, the Heat might have to give up a little more in future assets, possibly, mm-hmm. um, because taking on Duncan's contract, uh, not totally attractive. And like, what does he really do for the Raptors at this point? Um, Jovic, interesting prospect. So yeah. that does have some upside there. Um, this trade, I think, would be a good trade, especially for the Heat, because Fred Van Fleet definitely would help their win now, definitely brings more offense um, and would definitely put Lowry in a, a backup role, which I think is the perfect use for his services. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of nice to reunite that Toronto back. Yeah. And I didn't want to send, I, I, I didn't see the path to send him back to Toronto. If, if it he wouldn't make sense one, for Toronto. It doesn't. And if he only had one more year left on his deal, like if this was his final year, he's going to be a free agent maybe, but because he's got that, he got an extra year after this one too. So I didn't see the kind of point guard switch there going back to Toronto. Mm -hmm. So I think in that situation, Miami makes this move and then probably tries to make another one, send Lowry out for maybe some shooter from, from some other team and try to make a move that way. But that's what I have for Miami. Then I made a move for the Kings and I have the Kings man going 
big game hunting. And this, this one might be interesting. Kings also go to that team up in Toronto, but this time they're not getting Fred Van Fleet. They're going for Pascal Siakam to mm. pair alongside Demonis Sabonis. They're giving up Harrison Barnes, Trey Lyles. You might not like this, but they're giving up Keegan Murray and they're giving up a 2023 okay. second round pick. So obviously the best thing you're getting back in that trade is Keegan Murray, which obviously a lot of people really like Keegan. He's a, the rookie this year for them. Also giving up Harrison Barnes, Trey Lyles, who's looked good in a second round pick pick for Pascal Siakam, which could possibly become a first round pick as well for Pascal Siakam. That is giving up a lot of rotational players and yeah. the future Keegan Murray. But considering where Sacramento finds himself right now, honestly, I would probably hit accept on the, the trade button right there. Yeah. I mean, Pascal Siakam's a hell of a player. Uh, it'd be a scary front court pairing with him and Sabonis. hundred um, percent. Um and Pascal Siakam's not gonna crowd the lane for Sabonis. So I think that those two could work together. Mm-hmm. Um, because Siakam's one of the most skilled players in the NBA, if you ask me. He's so um, underrated. Hundred percent. Exactly. And he he definitely takes the Kings up a level. He definitely makes them like a true serious contender. Cause I even if the Kings make the playoffs, I definitely see them as like if they're a higher seed, I see them in the like upset bracket. Yeah. Because yeah. it literally it's their first time there. I mean, Sabonis has some playoff experience, but I don't believe he's been past the first round. I don't no. think Indiana's been past since the the days since of Paul George. PG, yeah. Although they almost knocked off the Cavaliers in the first round a, a few years back, but um. Yeah, I would say I would say send that trade in. Like yeah. that's that's good to me. I, I like that one, you know, and that's the, the Kings would be doing something that they're they're looking around at their team, they're saying, Hey, we have a chance to actually do something this year. Pascal Siakam, he's not just a rental player, he's got another year left on his contract. It's not a super expensive contract. It's thirty six million for, for these two years that he's making Discount. over it. So eighteen million dollars a year for what he's given you. And he's given up like was it twenty six, seven and seven this year or something like that? He's basically got LeBron's career numbers on this season, and he's efficient. He's got size from that power four position, and playing alongside Demonis Sabonis would be a dangerous pairing, especially with the shooting of De'Aaron Fox and Kevin Herter out there on the wing as well. So just I like that for the Kings. I think it'd be a great move. Um, the next trade that I put together is kind of like a your problem for my for our problem type of situation. Um, the Clippers, it's been out there. They're looking for point guard depth. They're mm-hmm. going out there. They're going to be searching for a point guard. Um, in this situation, I have the Clippers reuniting Kawhi Leonard with his uh, championship-winning point guard in Kyle Lowry, going out there making a trade with Miami Heat. The Clippers are getting Kyle Lowry in a 2020 or in a 2026-second 20, round pick. The Heat take on Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard in this trade. The way that it looks, it's kind of like a my problem for your problem situation. You need the point guard depth. Obviously, if you're getting rid, you're getting Kyle Lowry in as the point guard. You could, if you like Reggie Jackson more than you like what John Wall's giving you, those could be interchangeable. I think you have to send back a point guard. So I went with Reggie Jackson just because I think they'd probably like John Wall if they're going into a playoff type experience. Let it, but I don't know. I mean, Reggie Jackson is a great player as well. So that's kind of, that could be interchangeable. And then Luke Kennard is just, he, he's a shooter. You know, that's what he is in this league. So I, that's kind of like a my problem for your problem type situation, the way that I look at it, if in a trade between the Clippers and the Heat. Um, it definitely adds uh, depth for the Clippers at the point guard. The biggest question I think would be Lowry's health. True. Um, and with the Clippers, like like I said uh, in several podcasts before, the Clippers' ceiling is only capped by their health. Hundred percent. Um, so adding another player into that mix that kind of questions that. Plus, they're down a rotational piece with sending Kennard in the deal, which obviously you have to do to get it done for the money. So yeah. where they who steps up or can they go out and sign another player or maybe make another trade to get another player is a question. I don't think the Clippers would be afraid of doing that considering Ballmer is all for trying yeah. to do anything it takes to win, which that's what you would love in the owner. Wow. It'd be, what is that like? <laughs> Mine's satisfied with six and I don't like that. Um, but for the heat, I think it's a great deal. Um, cause Kennard, obviously great rotational piece off the bench. Mm. Um, and then Reggie Jackson, um, he, he'll play, he'll play. He'll uh, he start plays for Miami. With his, yeah. He'll he start, start for Miami. He plays with his art on his sleeve. Um, he can be streaky sometimes. He seems like a Miami guy. 
is the way that it kind of oh. looks like he's he's that tough nosed yeah. kind of point guard that 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 kind of reminds me a little bit of Mario Chalmers actually a little bit more than Mario Chalmers but Chalmers had people forget he had some games where he was and he was kicking the ball around and he was kind of that intense leader on the court for those those good Miami teams so that's kind of how I look at Reggie Jackson if he went yeah. to Plus, uh, those uh, his look because with the visor, which I think is one of the coolest looks yeah. in the NBA, the 100%. visor, the dreads, and the the headband he wears sometimes, combined with the Miami Heat's black jerseys, I think I think that'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a sick sick looking player. Yeah, I agree. Court. I agree. Um, we, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say we got a couple more minutes. I just have one more trade that we'll get through before we have to pause. So this one is kind of that low key under the radar one I put together for the Golden State Warriors. I think you're really gonna like. And that's Golden State going out and getting Jakob Pertle in that center position from the San Antonio Spurs. They're giving up James Wiseman and Jermichael Green. I think it's time to split up James Wiseman and, you know, the uh, Golden State Warriors. It's not working for them. He seems like a type of player that the, the San Antonio Spurs would love to just kind of take on. He's cheap. He's not going to win games for them right now, which is not what they're trying to do. So I think this is a perfect, perfect trade for both ends. And I, I see something like this coming together. I love this trade for the Warriors. Jakob Pertl is a high-quality big who 100%. will burn any team on any given night. I know he's done it to the Bulls before to where we've lost Spurs games, and I'm like, why are we losing to the Spurs? <laughs> we lost to Keldon Johnson and Jakob Pertl, and we have three all-star caliber players on our team. Yeah. What is going on? Um, Jakob Pertl definitely is a threat down low on getting the boards, easy putbacks, stuff like that. I think he'd fit perfect into the Warriors system. 100%. And then vice versa, the Spurs taking on James Wiseman, who is a project at this point, probably still has some upside because it's way too early to completely call him a complete bust um, yeah. in my mind. And if there's any organization that can do something for that kid, I think the Spurs are probably the place to go, especially with Pop still being in the organization. I like this trade. This might be my favorite trade of them all. Yeah. Because um, I think it definitely both parties benefit. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Hurdle who gets in, put into a winning situation. I agree. I agree. Moving on now to our next segment, we thought it would be a good idea to do a little bit of buy, sell, or hold for some of these fringe teams, both the Eastern and the Western conferences, as we approach that trade deadline. So, Jarrett, I'm going to list off some teams that kind of find themselves, you know, halfway up those standings, kind of on. A little bit in, one foot in, one foot out, and you're going to let me know what you think that these teams should be doing towards as we approach this trade deadline over the next week. So the first team that I'm going to give you is buy, sell, or hold on the New York Knicks. Uh, I think the Knicks should buy. Um, this has definitely been a bounce-back season for the team. Um, they got some really good pieces on this team this year. And even though I don't think they're a contender, I think, Nonetheless, they should just try to shoot because who knows what the Knicks are going to look like next season, whether they're going to be competitive or not. I'd say go for them, live in the moment. See if you can swing and go for something. At the very least, get Cam Reddish on a roster that will actually play him. And Derrick Rose, <laughs> too. Free Derrick Rose. I think that's a good take. You know, for the Knicks, I said I think that they should hold. I think that they're in a good position, not in a great position right now. You know, with Julius Randle playing consistently as a number one, Jalen Brunson is showing that he's worth the money that he got in this offseason. I think for the Knicks, they need to be patient, not to force any moves that might make them take on some of these big-time contracts. It's weird to say, but things are looking a little bit up for the New York Knicks. It's weird. It it's a weird world. I don't like it. In. I don't like it either, but – in the New York Knicks, they're a fun watch. They're doing really well. Julius Randle, he's be, he's been great. And Jalen Brunson, he's he, he's been as consistent pretty much as they come at that point guard position. Obviously, they're number three in R.J. Barrett. He's young. He's still hit and miss on any given night. But they can beat any team if they're playing their best on any given night. So I think it's time for the hold for the New York Knicks and just be patient. Don't try to force some things. But but think with like the assets that I still think I don't get why Derrick Rose and Fournier aren't in the rotation yeah. because they'd be in the rotation and I I may be biased but I don't see where Derrick Rose fell off to where he wouldn't still be like a top five or six player on that team, um in terms of talent yeah and Cam Reddish like the Knicks have assets they could trade that they're That's not even true. using which a lot of teams don't have yeah. so. Even if they don't swing big, they can swing and add a key rotational piece. If you yeah, ask there's me. there's been some rumors of teams poking around on Cam Reddish. There's a, he's he's pretty highly valued around the rest of the league, just not on that New York Knicks. Roster. I would take him on the Bulls. I don't know yeah. what we give up, but I'd take him I'd on take Miami. Him. I'd take him. He's worth some minutes. There's there's no doubt about it. He's worth some minutes. Yeah. 
All right. So the next team I have for a buy, sell, or hold is the Atlanta Hawks. You know what? They should sell or at least sell part of their soul. Um, the John Collins saga, I'm ready for it to end. I'm tired of seeing trades. He's such a – and it's funny because I did see a report that, like, uh, that exactly, like, basically encapsulizes, like, what I think about this. They're like – it was something like they, they don't know what to do with John Collins or, like, what to trade or something like or teams don't know the value of him. And I'm like – yeah, I don't know what teams would want him either. Like, he's not a bad player, but, like, I just – I don't know where he fits or what's, like, a good team for him. Yeah. Um, but I'm so sick of seeing him in trade. And it's probably why I'm sick of seeing him in trade rumors because we know the Hawks and him, there's a big disconnect. And I just – I don't know where he lands. So yeah. I think they should at least do some selling. I'm not at the place where even though I would love it because I just don't like Trey Young, I would love to see some <laughs> drama of, like, maybe they move Trey Young or something. But yeah. – they're not at that place right now. Currently, uh, I think they can fix that situation. Hopefully, for their sake. Although I don't really care, they're an East team, and I'm my team's in the East, so one less East team to worry about. <laughs> fine by me. Yeah, I think they should sell off guys like John Collins. I think even Clint Capella, but and Bogdan Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. you know, and try to rebuild that roster around Trey and Dejounte. Obviously, they made the big move in the offseason to go get Dejounte Murray. I don't think that they can present a sh- all all out fire sale to to their fans. I think their fans want to see a winner. But looking around the East, it makes no sense whatsoever trying to go in on this trade deadline and try to put yourselves even further behind the eight ball. I agree with you. It's time to sell, and I'd go even further than John Collins. I think you, you see what you can get for Clint Capella. He's been a highly productive player in this league for a long time now. And also Bogdan Bogdanovich, anybody can use a shooter with good size. A lot size. of teams want him. I'll Absolutely. take him. Absolutely. There's a lot of teams that could use him. So I agree with you as well. This next one, I'm really interested to see what you got to say. Buy, sell, or hold Chicago Bulls. Hold. Um, As I've said many times before with this team, we don't own our own pick. It makes no sense to blow it up because we're not going to be in the one banana sweepstakes more likely than not. I'm not willing to risk seeing an early rebuild for just to watch Orlando have our selection, whether um, it's number one or number four doesn't matter um this team was one of the best teams in the nba when healthy last year um they were getting talked about on like talk shows which i've not been used to because <laughs> i think i started listening to podcasts around the time the jimmy butler era ended so the bulls were already not a conversation to start with um so it was weird for that like those few months were like oh my god i'm turning on the bill simmons podcast and they're talking about my bulls <laughs> um so we know the bulls have potential to reach that ceiling the question is is the window closed i'm not too convinced yet but definitely i think selling this core off too early just is a bad look for a franchise trying to reclaim um its reputation the post garpax era where this team has been known for selling out players that have been loyal to the franchise um just for the management's sake and if Chicago wants to be a free agent destination that it should be as one of the largest markets in the United States, I don't think moving off of a core of players early is the way to do that. Yeah, I, I know this won't sit well with you. I do think it's time for the Chicago Bulls to sell. I mean, at this I can point, understand. Lonzo Ball isn't anything that you can rely on as far as a player on the court. Zach Levine, to me, seems a little bit unhappy behind the scenes. DeMar Rosen, he's getting up there in age. We all know that. How long is he going to be able to keep up this level of play? And Vucevic, it seems like he never consistently kind of got his footing in Chicago. Like, he he's shown really great stretches where he's been out there on the floor. It just seemed like in Toronto, I think we – or not Toronto, sorry, Orlando, before he came there to Chicago, it looked like – he was becoming more of this kind of dominant center position that was down there. He was getting, he was a double, double machine in Chicago. He's shown a lot of signs of that. It just seems like his footing hasn't all the way been there. Part of it is probably because he's never played with the caliber of players he's played with at Chicago. So kind of that Kevin love role where you got to sacrifice a little bit on your end, being the big man down below, Mm -hmm. but windows in the NBA, they can close quick. And I just don't see this bulls core ever finding their way through the Eastern conference. And I think, you do the argument, obviously, you not owning your draft picks does hurt this a little bit because it's kind of like, what's the alternative? So I, I could see them holding as well, but I definitely don't think they should be buying at any stretch of the imagination. Oh, they should the, not buy this trade deadline. They should I think, not buy. I, I agree with you that I think they should sell a little bit. 
but if they hold, I think that's that could also be the correct move, just kind of the image you're trying to present as well. So moving on to our next team here, buy, sell, or hold Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Mavericks need to buy um, because they're they're on a clock. Um, Luca has really given no indication that uh, if the Mavericks don't do anything, that he's going to be unhappy or something like that. But I wouldn't put it past him. This player is competitive. He wants to win. And he's in his prime right now, and he's only going to get better. The last thing the Dallas Mavericks want is a LeBron James Cleveland first trip around 100%. the sun situation, which that could turn into this real quick. If you ask me, those Cavs teams, a lot better than the teams that Luca's getting with the Mavs. Um, and mm-hmm. even though Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood are nice players, just what is what else is behind them is just not enough. And on top of that, Luca needs needs a second star. You do need stars in this league to win. Um, so whether it's through trades, whether it's through free agency, for some reason, the Mavericks have been inept at attractive free agents. I've been to Dallas. It's a very nice city. Absolutely. I've received a paycheck in Texas. That first time you see the taxes no they took out of that thing. No tax, 100%. You, you think you're dreaming. I mean, oh my. Now imagine making millions and the effects that that makes. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine. All the more reason I would love to go to Dallas as an NBA player. 100%. Um, so Mavericks need to figure something out. They got great ownership. Seems like a great franchise. They should, if at all possible, because they don't have any assets, they should be buying. See, I initially wrote down that I thought that they should be holding, but throughout this podcast, I've kind of convinced myself into they do. They needed to go out there and make a move. And I, what I wrote down is that that they need to hold because I didn't see a clear path forward as far as going and getting a guy that would actually improve this roster. But maybe I'm talking myself into it too much. Go get Pascal Siakam. I think Ooh, yeah, Pascal I Siakam like that. seems like that kind of guy. He doesn't need the ball consistently. Luka can still dominate the ball as far as what he does, it, it, usage percentage of being on the court because he's Luka Doncic. But also, he's that kind of guy. He brings size to the floor. He can play in that four position alongside Christian Wood, and he passes the ball around. He's still a playmaker from the position, and he can get his numbers without having to dominate having the ball, which is why I kind of – a lot of people feel like Anthony Davis is kind of the perfect pairing with Luka because mm-hmm. AD doesn't need the ball a lot. I think Pascal Siakam can kind of be that player as well. He's not as dominant kind of down on the blocks getting boards, but Pascal, he's a good defensive player as well. So go make a move, man. I, I convinced myself. I said hold originally. Go get Pascal. Make a I move. Think, I think I want to see that trade more than any trade in the NBA. Pascal Siakam. More, more than Derrick Rose coming back. Well, no, okay, maybe not. <laughs> All right, more than Derrick Rose leaving the Knicks, yeah. I would love to see that trade. That trade Pascal Siakam me. to I would Dallas. Love that. Let's just let's speak it into existence. It's a trade let's, that everybody would love to see happen. You hopefully heard it heard it here first, folks. I can't talk today. <laughs> let's see. You hopefully let's see. Hear, heard it here first. I love it. I love it. Moving on to our next team, buy, sell, or hold Portland Trailblazers. Um, I think the Blazers have to buy. Um, and this may be controversial because people are like, uh, Dame should leave. Dame should get traded. Damian Lillard is a player from a different (laughs) era, and I respect the hell out of it. Now, it is both sides with teams not being loyal to players and vice versa, Um, but Lillard and the Blazers, they're tied together. They're loyal together. You don't see that much nowadays. I'm sure the Blazers would trade Lillard if he asked, but Lillard doesn't want to leave. So, in my mind, same with the Lucas situation, although I think Portland's better set up in terms of assets. Um, the Blazers should do all they can to trade for it. It's so close in the West right now, even though the Blazers aren't sitting pretty in the standings. One or two good weeks. I mean, look at the Pelicans. They're 26 to 27 right now. One good week can change a lot, bad or good. If the Blazers go out and try to maybe move some pieces like Nurkic, some draft picks, a lot of young players they got to maybe try to go get a star, maybe like a Siakam type, um, even though I would love to see him play with Luka, <laughs> it could be a very quick turnaround for the trailblazers to maybe what they're one of the teams competing for a playoff spot and not just a trip to the play-in. No, I agree with you. I see. I think for Portland, in my personal opinion, I think it's time to tear it down, but they're not going to do it because Dame he's playing Mm -hmm. out of his, not his mind. I know he's as loyal as they come, but I mean, you just take a look around and even though he's balling, they have a worse record right now than the Lakers who we all make fun of for having such a terrible season. You're not going to trade Dame. 
you can at least maybe try to position yourself to free up some cap space for this next offseason and start the process over again if you're starting to trade some of these guys, you know, like the Jeremy Grants. And I know you really like Anthony Simons, but kind of plays the same position as Dame Lillard. And if you're going to commit to one, do you really want to be paying both of them? So it's one of those things where I think they should tear it down. They won't do it because it's Portland mm-hmm. and it's Dame, and they're kind of an anomaly in today's NBA. They are going to be tied together. I agree with you until the end of of Dame's career, pretty much. But yeah, the last the only team... reason why I said oh bye. yeah, go ahead. The yeah, only no. reason why I said bye because I know they're not going to trade Dame. A hundred percent. The last team I have for a buy seller hold that is the Indiana Pacers. Um, honestly, I think the Pacers should hold. Um, they're obviously, they're not going to do anything this year. Um, they're starting to slide down the standings. I would say coming back down to earth as we've seen several teams to get off to a hot start, like the Utah jazz. And then the Sacramento Kings did the complete opposite and they're soaring through the beams light into outer space. Um, but the, the Pacers have definitely, um, surpass expectations this year um Halliburton's an all-star Benedict Matherin is probably the second best rookie in his class and it looks fantastic they've beat up on some teams they have no business beating uh and I think they have a pretty good foundation for the future to where some of the pieces that you'd argue like maybe Buddy Heald or Miles Turner that they should probably trade to get assets back why not hold on to them and try to build a competitive core around Halliburton and Miles Turner and Heald? Heald's close to 30, but Miles Turner's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. No reason to trade these players. Um, honestly, Pacers should hold and build for the future. Uh, I kind of like the direction they're going in. See, I said strangely enough, I think it's okay for the Pacers to buy, but I want to say sparingly. I think it's okay that they should be looking around the league for those smaller, not high-profile type moves to maybe get one of those role players that are locked up for another year or two, not going out there and trying to get a star to to contend this year. But I think trying to put themselves in that position where they're already trying to improve for next year right now before some of these players maybe get to free agency and you're out there competing with every other team in the league. So, you know, I agree with you. Halliburton, you know, he's an all-star this year. They extended Miles Turner, so it looks like he's staying around in Indiana. And they've shown real promise at times this year, you know, against for against some good teams. They've, they've gotten some good wins this season, and they're very young, and that's what they want to do. They have a couple great rookies, Benedict Matherin and uh, Andrew Nebhar. They've been playing fantastic this season, and I think you continue to build around that. Your leader, obviously, is Tyrese Halliburton. He's getting that all-star nod. So I, I think buy, but very sparingly. Just take a look around. You're not out there selling your future. You're just trying to improve your team for the second half of this season, going into next season, getting those under-the-radar kind of role players, position players that you can go out there and get. So I really like that. I think that's a good segment there. I think we're – it's kind of cool to kind of look at those teams that are on that kind of bubble on the fringe as far as being in playoff contention and just – sometimes, you know, you're up there at the five seed and it's all about how – it's not your positioning too. It's about – what you want your franchise, the position your franchise is in and where you want it to be moving forward on what you should be doing. And I like it that we're putting on our GM hats uh, in this podcast. We've done a lot of that. So I played enough my league. (laughs) It's a good one, man. But yeah, we got our last segment or not our last segment. Of course, our last, last segment is always the team up on the team up podcast, but our second to last segment here. And that's just, we're going to run through. We have gotten the rest of the all-star reserves. We went over the starters during our last podcast last week and now we have the entire teams that will be available, the entire of the players that will be drafted to both of these teams. So in the Eastern Conference, Joel Embiid, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, and Tyrese Halliburton got the nod. In the Western Conference, Ja Morant, Laurie Markinen, Demonis Sabonis, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Paul George, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Damian Lillard. So I know you got something to say about this. What are some of the things you feel they got right? And where do you think they got it wrong? You might be a little surprised. Um, I'm actually, I'm pretty okay with how most of the, the all-star selections came out. The mm-hmm. One of the biggest snubs I've seen talked about was Darren Fox, which yes, Fox is having a great season. The Kings are playing well, but who is he going to replace out of the Western conference reserves? It's not going to replace Shea Gilgis Alexander. No. Not John. Um, He's not going to replace Jaron Jackson Jr., who is typically people are comparing him to, and they're trying to compare like, oh, like around, like Fox is shooting higher percentages and stuff. Why are you comparing a guard and a big man? 
Yeah. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the best, if not the best defensive player in the league this year, whether you believe in the the Grizzlies stat conspiracy inflating, or yeah, whatever. Inflating stats um, at home. <laughs> which uh, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer went out and he likes – verified of this like 66 blocks like 60 of them are for sure blocks and like two are like he got a hand on it and then like a few more are, like a little sketchy yeah but so the, the stats crazy. are pretty accurate yeah um as much as it pains me to say it like Laurie marketing is a forward you're not going to take anyone off for him if he's it's like rocks yeah he's been good i hate to admit it I also hate that he he had a really nice dunk. Where was that when he was in Chicago? Whatever, he's, I'll get off my soapbox. He's box. been insane this year. Um, another reason I don't want the Bulls to trade for young assets like a Warriors trade where we send Caruso away because what are we going to do with the Warriors young players that not even the Warriors can develop? You think Chicago's going to develop them? Um, no. Look, yeah. every uh, every young player <laughs> leaves Chicago and does well. And pops off. Yeah. Or oh, they were already good and then they just get better. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, Wendell Carter. Yeah. So Paul George was another player that they were proposing to throw off for Darren Fox. Paul George is a forward. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Um, so I didn't see a lot wrong in the West. Um, in the East, there's a lot more room for conversation. Uh, James Harden's the first player that yep. should be on that board. Um, and it's really tough to see who you take off. It would probably be DeMar DeRozan or Drew Holiday. Yeah, I'd um, say Drew. Which, fun fact, and I love Drew Holiday for nerdy reasons, being an all-star. I love Even though Drew I think Holiday, he, he's worthy of it, and he should have probably gotten selected sometime in the past um, because he's one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. He's on, he's the second-best player on the second-best team in the NBA, a team that has been largely without Chris Middleton yep. all season long when Chris Middleton's typically the second fiddle to Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Holiday... If you go on his basketball reference page now, it's going to be a star on 2013, and then you go all the way down, and it's a star on 2023. So it's like a 10-year difference from All-Stars, which yeah. um, I should have done it before this podcast, and I'm mad at myself. I'm going to go back, and I might make it a TikTok or something, and go through a list of like the longest gaps between All-Star selections. Yeah, that's, that'd I be think good one. He might, he might have the record, because I can't think... Unless you're... I guess I could count... like. Like, like, for example, Mike Conley went, like, 14 seasons without an all-star selection then was selected in, like, 2021 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Even though probably shouldn't have been, but whatever. Um, But, yeah, James Harden should be the first player that should be put on the roster. People are, like, arguing for Trey Young. There's another name that I'm kicking around my head I can't think of. But as a Bulls fan, I'm not going to be upset because DeMar DeRozan's on there. So, I, I see, I'm really not <clears> upset <throat> with the selection. You could yeah. argue DeRozan or Holiday off. And that's fair. James Harden should be the first name on that list. Yeah. No, it's it's weird to say I agree with you, James Harden. I'd put him in over Drew Holiday. I love Drew Holiday, what he brings mm-hmm. to the table. I'd much rather him have him on my team during the season than James Harden, as he currently looks right now. But looking at the numbers, Harden, he's been quiet, but he's been increasingly efficient this season. He's, he's on one of the East top teams. I think he definitely deserves a nod over Drew Holiday. And the argument I would make is Pascal Siakam over Demar Derozan. Pascal, he's been amazing. Demar, I know, obviously getting getting the Bulls. That was the other name. He's been great, but Pascal Siakam to me, he's this is the second year in a row. I feel like he's being snubbed. He is an All Star caliber player in that Eastern Conference. His numbers are insane. I get his team is not performing that the way that they want it, but we have All Stars come from all up and down of the the. Uh, the the standings in the Eastern and the Western conferences. This isn't an all pro. This isn't an MVP vote. This is an all-star and Pascal Siakam deserves an all-star nod in that Eastern conference. And out West, my biggest complaint is having Jaron Jackson, the junior there over Anthony Davis. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Triple J he's had a great season, but in no measures has he been better than Anthony Davis. And before you talk about games played, Jaron Jackson Jr. has played in just six more games this season than Anthony Davis. It is not that big of a gap as far as games played. AD has been far easily the better offensive player when he's been out there. He's more efficient. He's putting up better numbers. And many would argue that before AD got hurt, he was the front runner for defensive player of the year. So I don't think that defensive side also carries Jaron Jackson Jr. over Anthony Davis. I think that spot should belong to AD in the Western Conference. That's that's fair. I will admit, um, I did 
forget about AD a little bit because it feels like he was gone for so yeah. long. Um, but Jaron Jackson Jr. also missed a large segment of the season um, yeah. earlier. So he's that's kind of why. Jaron Jackson like Jr. has played in 35 games this season and AD's played in 29. So by the time we get there, there I mean, if AD stays healthy, what, however many more games they have before the All-Star break, you're looking at about 35 games to probably – I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. just missed the last game. So who knows? He might miss their next game, and then that gap closes even more by the time we get to the All-Star game. So I don't see a huge gap as far as games played. I just see a huge gap as far as production on both offense and defense that I think AD should get the nod over. I also think it's important to remember, especially for uh, people that aren't as familiar with how all-star games work, is typically there's going to be some players that are not healthy for the all-star game. So the commissioner usually comes in and he picks the the players to replace, as we saw last year uh, with DeJounte Murray and LaMelo Ball. I imagine James Harden and Anthony Davis are probably going to be all-stars before everything's said and done. Um, Because even some of these... Well, KD's not going to play, and he was voted. I assume KD's not going to play. He was voted a starter. Yeah. So you know that moves. Who do you want to move? Probably going to be Harden. Um, you'd move up. You know, forward. You'd, well, Embiid would start without a doubt. Oh yeah, yeah. So you um, move I, up and be to the starting position, and then and then who probably comes in in the East is James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. Or Pascal Siakam. Or know. yeah, or Siakam. It yeah, could be both. I, they might go with a forward then because it'd be KD. Yeah. Um. I could also see a world where Zion's not healthy for the oh, All-Star yeah. game. Well, yeah. So then um, that'd probably be a case for AD. AD then, then finds his way there, yeah. Um, yeah, so 100%. like I said, there's probably going to be two, maybe even three guys that we'll see get All-Star selections because the other player yeah. is not available. Um, yeah, so if, Zion doesn't, if Zion doesn't play, I want to see who do, who gets the starting nod then in, in the West. Is it Sabonis? Um, marketing that's that's a great question because the the west forwards are surprisingly weak compared in, to in like the years name, past in the name what, what your name carries would be paul george yes but paul george hasn't had a good as, as good of a season as demonis sabonis or i would even say laurie marketing see to me laurie marketing is like no one else is around so i guess i'll be oh, the guy if he start that'd be crazy if he starts that'd be crazy. i don't that'd be disgusting um I'd be open to Sabonis um, over Paul George, but then yeah. I think in that case, I'd have to be Paul George. Yeah, I think of... it might go to him, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Moving on to our last, our final and favorite segment here on the TML Podcast, and that is, of course, our technical fouls. Who are we teeing up this week? So, Jarrett, I'm going to give you the floor. Who gets your technical foul? Well, it was going to be Bleacher Report for their fantastic Lakers-Bulls trade article. Um, <laughs> but... We talked about it, and I was prepared for that because it was a trade deadline podcast, so I figured the Bulls would come up uh, prematurely, and that's okay. I always come lock and loaded with something else. Well, last night, the Grizzlies and the Cavs faced off, Oh yeah, and everyone's new favorite player, uh, Dylan Brooks, um, or should I say favorite player to hate, (laughs) Dylan Brooks um, got a little too up close and friendly and personal with Donovan Mitchell. Brooks got fouled, got blocked, whatever you want to say, when he went up for a layup, fell to the ground, and in frustration to a Donovan Mitchell who was recovering the ball over him, just reached up with his arm and uh, went for the family jewels. Now, (laughs) as a man, I think in any physical confrontation, that is strictly off limits. Strictly off limits. Like yeah. men should respect each other and just not, that should not even <laughs> be in the question. If you're fighting with a man, just straight up, like no, nothing no below the belt, nothing Everybody below home the belt. Before dinner. Exactly. Go for my face, but don't mess with the family jewels. <laughs> well, Dylan Brooks messed with the family jewels and Donovan Mitchell. And I think every NBA fan and even Grizzlies fans should agree. Mitchell was in the right there. He took yeah. exception to that. He tossed the ball and it started a pretty big brawl. Um, it looked like refs were getting involved, players were getting involved. It looked like the benches stayed out of it, which is which yeah. is what you want to see. Um, it, the coaches just tried to get in there to break it up. Um, but I'm all for Donovan Mitchell. Like, like if, yeah, I'm all for that reaction that he had. You don't hit another man in the junk. You just don't do it, Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I mean, you got a technical foul Adam. for that, but personal technical foul, just another technical foul, double yeah. tech. They've been struggling ever since uh, Shannon Sharp went at went at them from the uh, 
from the sidelines, man. They, they've been crazy. And it's funny you say that because uh, my technical foul this week is to John ja Morant and the oh, rest of those Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies so we're, just, we're doubling up on it. And I'm going to go back <laughs> about a month ago when Mr. Morant said in an interview that we're fine in the Western Conference. We got nothing to worry about <laughs> in those Western Conference. Since then, the Grizzlies are right around 500 in that Western Conference. Man. It seems they're always making news in the ways such as fights and scuffles instead of dominating wins. And it seems like the Memphis Grizzlies are one of those teams we could see we'll get one of those Bleacher Report, you know, uh, notifications. It's like, hey, they're up 35 after the first quarter. And then a couple hours later, we'll say they gave up a 42-point lead and lost the game in overtime because that's just what the Memphis Grizzlies do at this that's point. The they're Bulls. young. They're an inexperienced type team. And you know what? It's hard to win in this league, but they are an incredibly talented and young team. But all in all, they have not accomplished anything yet. They've done nothing as far as postseason accomplishments. And I'm all for having confidence in the locker room with the team behind the scenes. You can talk all that. You know, no one in the Western Conference has us. The Western Conference runs through us. Say all that behind the scenes. Do whatever you need to do to get your team going. But when you disrespect the best basketball players in the world, they're going to give you their best shot. And if you mm -hmm. want to put that target on your back, a lot of the times it goes to, you know, it should be the Warriors, the defending champions. They've won how many, you know, championships over the last how many, however many years. Now we're looking around. No one's getting up for the Warriors right now. Everybody's getting up for those Memphis Grizzlies because they are talking about the rest of the Western Conference, rest of the league, saying that they have nothing to worry about. They're going to give you their best shot. You better be ready for it. And so far, they have not answered the call when everybody else has given them their best shot. So technical foul. It's those Memphis Grizzlies, man, keep it behind the scenes. Why you got to say this out in public? Very bold for a roster with only one player over 30 that hasn't been anywhere. Exactly. Barely beat the Timberwolves last year. Like, the Timberwolves had to give them the series for them to win. Exactly, man. I agree with you 100%. And that's all we have this week on the TML Podcast. I want to thank you guys all for listening and following along on all of our social media platforms throughout the week. A lot of fun NBA content going on, as always. So, once again, thank you guys all for listening. We'll be sure to catch you guys next time. And remember, free D-Rose!